19th December 2010, match day 17 in the Serie A Cavani with the late winner over Lecce. A very dramatic goal, this one, Matt. That was insane. So that took them up to second place for that season. They did end up getting third. That was the season that Milan won the league. It was a fantastic season for the goal scorer there, Edison Cavani. He finished second in the top scorer race behind Di Natale, who scored 28 goals, two goals more than Cavani. What a period in Serie A. Just the names that were there back then, the form that the teams were on as well. Such an exciting campaign it was that season. Yeah, we've got names like Eto, Matri, Pazzini, Totti, Zlatan, Mamma mia. Pato, Robinho. And the manager that took them to third into the Champions League debuted the season. Mazzari. Mazzari did a great job with Napoli that season. Hello and welcome to episode 4 of Serie A Spotlight. We'll be your host Jake and Matt. And of course, here again for another week of football. Here we are. So from Friday all the way until Thursday next week, we've got football. So it's a great time to be alive for all of us. Guys, I hope you'll be tuning in and watching as much as you can. Um, things changed quite drastically this this time round. So teams that we deemed unbeatable, teams that we deemed underdogs. There have been massive changes throughout this match day. Um, so let's kick it off with the first game between Sassuolo and Torino, where Torino managed to get all three points away from home thanks to a late Piaka goal. What do you think about that game? So this was a nice matchup stylistically. We've got Dionisi against Juric, two very good coaches. Um, Torino hadn't won away to Sassuolo since 2014. However, yes. Sassuolo had only won one out of their last 10 Serie A okay. games versus Torino. So this was always going to be a difficult match for Sassuolo. A fun match to bet on as well with those, with those stats. So Sassuolo are now in 12th place. So they've got four points in four matches. So technically they, they are a worse inside from last season. Torino, on the other hand, seem a much improved side. They've got six points in the first four matches, which is obviously much better than where they were at last season. And all this without Belotti, brother. Yeah, and they, you know, they created so many chances. Ten chances compared to Sassuolo's three um, scoring chances, according to the official statistic. Um, but, you know, they just looked very lively and better than Sassuolo, to be honest, this game. A hundred percent. So it started off pretty even. Um, they had a few chances themselves as well, Sassuolo. Uh, but Torino just grew into the game so well. Um, some amazing plays. They forced some great saves out of Consigli. What a player. Yeah, he's such a good goalkeeper. He's a fantastic keeper, man. Um, but Torino did end up getting all three points and that moves them up in the table. Um, so obviously Torino are on the right track to getting into that top 10, top 12 uh, finish in the league. But where do you see Sassuolo going from here, man? Um, I think, once again, it's still early days. You know, we haven't seen uh, much from anyone, to mm -hmm. be honest. I think Sassuolo have shown very good performances and then mm -hmm. quite underwhelming performances. Um, hopefully the next game against Inter will be... Will be yeah. better, right? <laughs> fingers, fingers crossed, man. Um, so, about Sassuolo, they lost their leading goal scorer, uh, Ciccio Caputo, their leading number nine up front. And they also lost the heart of their midfield, Locatelli. So, 
for some reason, these these losses, I didn't think they would be that significant to Sassuolo. I thought that the addition of Fratesi might be something fresh, something new. Raspadori and Scamaccia fighting for their place up front as well. But it does seem like it's taking a bit of a toll on the team, man. Of course, and not to mention that they lost Deserbi. So, of course, there needs to be an adaptation period for them under Dionisi. But, um, you know, I'm more impressed with how Juric has yeah. transformed the Storino side beyond recognition without Bellotti. Before, they couldn't even play without Bellotti. He was their ball carrier. He would drop mm-hmm. down in midfield when the ball back played through. You know, he was basically playing yeah. as a midfielder. <laughs> and it was somewhat of a one-man team. Sometimes you do see you do see big players, the biggest players in a certain team leaving the team and the rest of the team starts to perform better because they up their performances. And I definitely think that's something that Torino are doing. Yeah, certainly, certainly. I was impressed by Brekalo. He's Croatian, 23 years old. Um, okay. They signed him on loan for 1 million from Wolfsburg with an 11 mm. million option to buy. Um, hopefully, you know, they can give Juric the players he wants. Um, one of the reasons he left Verona was because they had no no mm. future. You know, they didn't want to invest. Um, mm-hmm. And, he, you know, hopefully... Torino give him the facilities he needs to to succeed. They're on the right track with him, so they have to show him their full trust in that regard. I'm sure that they can grow with Juric. Um, Piaka, the goal scorer, a Juve loney. He's been out of the Juve team for a number of years now. Um, it tends to be a bit of a norm with the with the larger teams in Italy. Uh, Twenty six years old man. He's he's a good player, Piaka. He is he's good. A good he is player. good. He was very promising when he joined Juve. He was meant to be going to to Milan. Apparently, he was, okay. he, was extreme, right. he was heavily linked to Milan. Uh-huh. But Juve um, hijacked the deal. Last second, I believe. But, you know, he had an injury and he hasn't quite been himself since. But he's quite good for these t- these types of teams. Like, Oh, for sure, man. For sure. So that's the first game. Sassuolo nil, Torino won. Uh, brilliant performance by Torino. But the next game is a team that we've, we've hyped up for, for a little bit now. Uh, Fiorentina beat Genoa 2-1 away from home. It was Ballardini versus Italiano. You'd be very happy with this game, judging by the goal scorers. I, I was so happy, man, to see it. You know, Saponara and Bonaventura, of course, to each other, both both goals. You know, what, what baby, a if you give it to me, I'll give it to you. <laughs> what a cultural partnership in the heart of midfield. Man. I love Saponara so much. I really like him, bro. He's so slick. Yeah, he's a proper traditional fantasista. You know, he's inconsistent. <laughs> However, um, he's emotional, so if things don't go his he way, he's emotional. upset. He seems unfit at times like he definitely can't play 90 mm. minutes but the way Italiano's using him he's deploying him um, for 10 minutes that's it yeah. he, he did the same when he was with Spezia and you know he can he has what it takes to turn the game around oh, for sure um, so he started his career off playing on the wing so he started his career at Ravenna where he was playing oh. on the wing and then he joined Empoli and the manager of Empoli at the time was Maurizio Sarri oh. and Maurizio Sarri looked at this bald guy and he was like Look, man, you're an attacking midfielder. You are not playing on the wing for me. So, I mean, it's worked out well, really. So, Sarri clearly knows a thing or two about ball. Yeah, definitely. Who would have thought, right? Mm. So, I mean, Saponara goal, Bonaventura assist. A Bonaventura goal, thanks to a Saponara assist. Krishito got a 98-minute consolation goal that I was not too happy with at all. Um... Thanks to a penalty. Of course, of course. Uh, Matthew, once again, is making a reference to Fanta Culture. Yes, Jake <laughs> beat me in the in the Fennec Derby. But fuck it, I don't want to talk about it. 
Yeah, what if I do? Well, fuck it, go for it, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we'll stick to the topic, of course. Um, Fiorentina had 89% of their passes completed. They, they played 512 passes compared Italian to Genoa's fact. 250. Yes, very good for, by them. Um, Rovella had the top distance covered in match day four with 12.2 kilometers. I like that Ooh. guy. He's a workhorse. Rovella's player. good, man. Rovella's good. I really rate him. I really rate him. Yeah. He's a workhorse. Yeah, I think he has a bright future, definitely. I, I hope so, man. So Fiorentina in fifth, brother. Nine points in four matches. That is not too bad at all. Genoa find themselves in 15th. They've got three points in four matches. So a bit of a slower start, but nothing, nothing shocking yeah. uh, in that department. But I'm very keen to see... Uh, Fiorentina moving forward, man. I think they've got a great mix of experienced players and young up-and-coming players. So they do have the team players like Bonaventura and Saponara that we've already uh, mentioned. And then up front, they, they've got Vlaovic, they've got Gonzalez, they've got good experience with Callejon as well. Yeah. Player like Sotil they have depth. In. They've got a lot of depth, man. Yeah, they have they options have of, of the bench. And they had it last year as well, but they didn't have the, the right coach, of course. Now you know this is this is exciting. This is a, hopefully they can entirely, keep it up. An entirely different team, man. I'm I'm really hoping we'll see an element of consistency there. Yeah, um, you know, Fiorentina smashed them. They had so much more possession. It was it was no, a really good game. An absolute walkover. Um, but moving on to the next one, would sure, you like to go. introduce this beast? So Inter six, Bologna one at home, of course. Um, you know, like where do you even start with a game like this? I mean, so coming into the game, um, Inter and Bologna were both on seven points each. Yeah. Right. So yeah. on paper, it should be somewhat, somewhat of a level playing field. You'd yeah, think, I, I no? definitely expected more from from Bologna personally. So Bologna, this 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 is the funny thing. So we all know how great Inter are going forward. We're seeing them as a much more offensive team, a bit more clinical up front as well. We mm-hmm. saw them. Uh, they're scoring plenty of goals. They're scoring goals for fun, like the final against Genoa, uh, so on and so forth. They've got a good average over there. They've got many people who can score. Lautaro, Barella, Zeko, Correa, Chalanoglu, a bunch of guys. Um, but, man, Bologna, their defence is a bit shaky. I do like the rest of their team, but their defence, that back four, just needs, needs some serious revamping. Yeah, they redeemed Sao Mauro. Um, yeah, but I don't know why they're not using him. Yeah, he, he was might signed from France, right? Yes, from, yes, from Lille, yes. man. From Lille, from Lille. Lille, yeah. And they had him on loan last year. He was good, and they they redeemed him. But they're playing Medel center back. You know, the game before this it worked very nicely, but this game it was. It Isn't Medel like uh, a Spezia player, dude? Like someone that would play for a lower tier <laughs> kind of team to Bologna? Because Bo- bear bear in mind, sorry about that. So. <laughs> Bologna are a decent side. They're 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 pretty fucking good, man. Like we said, they had seven that seven points in the opening three matches. So they beat Salernitana in the opening game. They struggled a little bit there, but then they managed to hold Bologna. They beat Hellas Verona, and I was not expecting Inter to walk over them the way they did. But their defense just yeah. got massively exposed, bro. Yeah. Massively exposed. Going back to to Medel. Mm. I think Bologna are a relatively young side. They have many like young talents, many yeah. bright talents. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you need people like Medel, Arnautovic, you know, to like on the pitch. Yeah. To, uh, qu- to be honest, Mihailovic is one of those guys too. <laughs> yeah, he, he brings <laughs> a lot of experience yeah. to the team. That's true. 
Um, but bro, I mean, from from Inter's perspective, and then the Dumfries is looking really, really good. Yeah, he's looking like the man we saw at the Euros. Exactly. He's he's. I mean, I'm not gonna say he's gonna have the same impact on the team. I can't make the prediction that he's gonna be as effective as Hakimi was. He certainly won't get the same amount of goals. But he contributed a lot in this game, man. And it was an animal running up and down and up and yeah. down tirelessly. And Lautaro, bro, he's just, I mean... So clever, too. Yeah, I, I read somewhere, I bloody for, forgot who said it, but they're predicting 25 to 30 goals this season. They think that the partnership... Who is they? That, I mean, it's, it was sports personnel in, okay. in this area. I can't remember who said it exactly. Um I think it might have been Inzaghi, bro, who said who said he'll get twenty five to thirty goals this season. Well, they need it. They 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 bloody do. But I mean, good luck, good luck to them. He yeah. not only does he score, bro, but he had a couple of moves that made me say that nice fake. Guy. Oh, that fake. I mean, very flat footed defending by Bologna over yeah. there as well. Classic. But, but I think they were done by then. Yeah, the Inter had fourteen shots, ten of them on target, six of them were goals. Yeah, I want to talk about Di Marco as well. I'm I'm actually such a fan of this guy, and I I am not often a fan of an interplay mm. of interplayers in general, you mm. know. But Di Marco is so good. I fell in love with him at Verona, and today he was great. You know, he got two assists. He scored a free kick last week. You know, his left foot is pornographic. Yeah, it's it's fucking ebony. Where okay. do you predict that we'll see him playing more down the down the left defensive wing or left center back? Because I am anticipating that we'll be seeing. More of Bastoni, I'd hope, especially with the World Cup coming up. Considering their lack of depth in defence, I think we'll see him deployed as a left centre-back very often. But he does push push quite high when he mm. plays there anyway. What a great player to have. I mean, Bologna lost this with Tomiyasu. He was a guy they could play centre-back, they could play right-back. He was just versatile and he'd solve a lot of problems. Um, I mean, that's what Inter have now with DeMarco. So... They, they 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 could utilize him however they please depending on the fixture depending on the stylistic matchup so yeah, the a great only, problem to have the only positive I think Bologna can take from this was the Theate goal on yeah. his debut um, he's Belgian and he's on loan from KV Ostende or something. Okay, so that's how you pronounce Theate Theate okay, I'm not theater, sure theater. to be honest I really don't know I was really hesitant to say his theater. name Theate Theate <laughs> Um, but aha, uh-huh. it's in- crazy. By the way, sorry to interrupt you again. I'm terrible. Dickhead, ADD, bro. Um, <laughs> it's uh, one thing I wanted to mention was that Skorupski made five saves today. Like five saves. Only Kranio made more. He made seven. So his team really wow. didn't help him out. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, not at all. And with Inter, you've just got so many people that can hit the ball, man. So you need a man between the sticks that knows what he's doing against that team. So unlike Inter, it's okay. Well, Handanovic had a good game, bro. Handanovic did. 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 Yeah. I've, I've slashed him a couple of times, but he had a good game this time around. No, he's, he's meant to be a good keeper. Yeah, this is no. meant to be abnormal, what we're saying. Exactly. It's just happening, you know, repeatedly. Exactly. And no, the fact game, that man. he just doesn't dive on shots mm. that drives Inter fans crazy, I love it personally. <laughs> and I hope, you know, they, they keep him. So Inter now find themselves in second. Fuck. And yeah. <laughs> Bologna find themselves in ninth place, bro. Bologna are okay. They're doing okay. This was a disaster, and they'll need some serious regrouping before the Genoa game, although Genoa are in the brightest. Um, but, yeah, good luck to them, man. Good luck to Mihailovic. We'll see how they do. So the next game, we have Salernitana against Atalanta, which ended 1-0 to Gasperini's men, of course. Um, did you expect... 
a larger margin? Initially, yes. Initially, I expected a larger margin before the game started. I said, okay, this is where Atalanta are going to get their confidence back and we're going to see a bit of a switch in momentum. But Salernitana fucking brought it, bro. They did. They brought it. It was... Look, Salernitana, um, they attacked very well in the game. They had a couple of moves I did I absolutely did not expect. They can hit a ball, they can pass the ball, but their finishing is disastrous. They only scored two goals so far this season, and it came against the shaky defense of Bologna that we were mentioning. Yeah. Who would have thought, right? I'm bringing in Ribery, you have Juric, you have Bonazzoli, you have Simi. You've got guys that can score. The Koulibaly's. Yeah, the Koulibaly's, and one of them has a good shot. I'm not too... Yeah. Mamadou, Mamadou, Mamadou's, Mamadou's got the has, shot. Mamadou's he's got, got a great shot, shot on it. Interestingly enough, prior to this, um, Salernitana and Atalanta have only met twice in Serie A. In Serie A? Wow, yes, okay. in 1947 <coughs> and 1948, and both games Jesus. ended nil-nil. So this goal um, was the only goal ever scored in this game. Oh my God. Yeah. And it came from Duvan Zapata in of the course. 75th minute. I'm seeing some good work by Ilicic. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's getting fine. some decent work, and I mean, we we all thought he put on some weight. Turns out that that's a bit of strength as well. He managed to jostle <laughs> off a couple of players very well, and he assisted Duvan nicely. And it's always good to see Duvan get a goal, particularly when yeah, I love I love when he scores. He snarls, you know, you yeah. can see his face. <laughs> he's so like I want full to of see adrenaline. I want to see the Duvan from two seasons ago this season, man. He's just a, a joy to watch. Do you think that Duvan? Because obviously he slipped up over the past, let's not say this season because it's just getting started, but last season he did slip up a bit. Do you think that that would be as a factor of the loss of Papu Gomez in the team? Perhaps, but um, he also had an injury. He also suffered an injury that year which set him back a bit. And also the, um, what, what are we going to call it, the explosion that is Luis Muriel. Yeah. Of course, um, you know, Gasparini doesn't often deploy them together. He uh-huh. does sometimes, but he seems to prefer... Rotating them, switching uh-huh. them like for like, you know, they yeah. bring something different. Exactly. I think they're missing Muriel a lot. Yeah, he's he's back, no? I think I think after just the next, after the international exactly. break. So that I think is four weeks, five weeks. Exactly. Let's let's call it a month. Yeah. What's interesting about this game is that um, Sump are the only team that ran less than Atalanta. This no, so week. Atalanta had to fucking bust their balls to get this to get these three points against Spets. No, game. no, they didn't run at all. Like one hundred and three kilometers. What do you say, man? What do you I say? I said only Sump ran less than ran Atalanta. Less. Yeah. Jesus, okay. Yeah, one hundred and three kilometers for Atalanta and one hundred and four kilometers for Salernitana. So wow, it's a low intensity game. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, they did a lot of defending. Salernitana had eight shots, one of yeah. which was on target. But but they had eight shots and they were attacking very well. So yeah. they had to sit back quite a bit. Juric had eleven recoveries as a striker. Eleven recoveries as a striker. Pretty cool. That's ridiculous, man. Yeah. That's ridiculous. So the next game and then is Empoli nil Sampdoria three. Another fantastic display by Sampdoria. We've been hyping them up a lot as well. But this is their first win, bro. Their first win of the season comes as a shock, no? Yeah, and it's a very convincing win. Um, to be honest, I thought... I, I, yes, I was surprised when I saw that they hadn't won a game before because they've been playing so well. And I never, yeah. really, I never really thought about it. Mm-hmm. You know? All tough fixtures. 
Yeah, but um, they look really good. And yeah. Pogliella and Caputo is finally like starting to. Yeah, Caputo. To Caputo obviously found the net twice in this game in the three 0 win to Sampdoria away from home. Um, I liked how Quagliarella was playing. He was drifting back a little bit, pulling the defenders with him, and then playing Caputo through. He likes having a striker alongside him with pace, as we, as we discussed before this podcast. Yeah, we, as we've seen with like Keita Balde and exactly. you know. Exactly. And then maybe the lack of effectiveness he had alongside Gabbiadini, for example. But then obviously Gabbiadini brings something different to the game. Candreva, uh, bro, is an absolute unit. I mean, I'm, I'm <laughs> just wondering like when the guy is going to age. Yeah, he looks like. He's 25 years old Running Jesus, up and down man. He's, he's a chill he's, dude he's like. so dangerous You know Once, once I had tweeted that He's an unpredictable donkey You know <laughs> <laughs> he, just, he just kicks the ball As hard as he can Low cross like Bro he was Cross shots in, He's the cross Drifting, drifting yeah. wide And another person That's obviously worth mentioning Is Berezinski I think his contribution So far has been amazing I think we've seen Three or four assists From him already This season And hopefully more to come He's playing He's playing really well yeah, um, Vicario and Aldera both had four saves to make. Um, you know, th- this is the game where um, their stats are surprisingly similar. Like, they were quite like for like in everything attempts, possession, okay. um, saves yeah. made. Uh, and the scoreline was 3 0. So, to be honest, um, Sampdoria's experience really mm-hmm. helped them out here. Um, Ampoli. Empoli, their their balls are slightly deflated. Yeah. Um, they haven't had it easy at all. They've had tough games already. But fact of the matter is, Empoli are sitting in sixteenth place with four points in four matches, yeah. which isn't which isn't great. It's not. It's not at all. Um, we'll see. I I do think they will pick up. Um, I think they're the best side from the ones that got promoted. Yeah. Um, and we'll see I then lost out to Venezia, but obviously that that's the beauty of the game. You think it goes one way, it'll go the other. Um, but very happy to see Sampdoria improving so heavily and getting their first win. Finally, Daversa definitely um, deserves that. Um, Empoli obviously heads heads up, and they they still look they still look a decent side. Next up, we've got Venezia against Spezia. Um, the score was 2-1 to Spezia. Late drama. Yes, sir. So, I, what a goal the opener was from the unlikeliest of sources, man. Bastoni with an absolute screamer for Spezia, man. Yeah, it reminded me of his goal against against Milan. He's an academy product for Spezia. He's a, mm. a nice player. I'm sure they're very happy with him. A hundred percent. I mean... 2-1 win for Spezia. I mean, another screamer was scored in the 94th minute as a winner for Spezia by Burabia. <laughs> what a goal, bro. In the 94th, the scenes were epic. Yeah, amazing scenes. Um, heartbreak, of course, for the Venetians who were out there. Um, but, you know, I enjoyed it. <laughs> 100%, especially after I said Spezia won't get relegated this season. Yeah, I mean, I hope they don't, of course, but... Uh, so we'll see. This was their first meeting in Serie A history. So I don't think they've ever been together in conjunction. Well, they've never been together in conjunction in Serie A. So a historic moment for them. Um, interestingly for Spezia, we're all mentioning what a slow start they've had to the season. Mm-hmm. But last season, where they had, a, a, I mean, a decent season for a team that just got promoted, they were the same. They had four points in their opening four matches. Mm-hmm. So maybe people should settle down and, and give... Give them some time to work their shit out. Yeah, that's very interesting, actually, considering that I don't rate Motta that much and he's doing, you know, mm-hmm. the same as, as Italiano. Um, 
But I think their objective this season will be to survive. Yeah. They want to survive, and as long as they survive, they're happy. So I think they're on the right track for that so far. I mean, that's why the game went down to the wire. I think both Spezia and Venezia realize exactly what they want from the season. Um, there haven't been many positive moves in the market for Spezia. They're, they're pretty much the same side from last season, yeah. facing a newly promoted team. They had a change in manager, so they just wanted to hang on there, try to get their first three points of the season. And they managed to do that, but it wasn't easy, man. Venezia it played wasn't. well. Dude, I look at this Venezia team and all I see is talent. Mm. It's, you know, the young players, like, like we've, as we've discussed previously, but, you know, like, okay, okay, um, Jonsson, Jonsson. Jonsson, so Jonsson yeah. is brilliant. Jonsson, man, is Norwegian. And, I mean, Norway are going to have a, I'm swapping to international football for a second, <laughs> but, I mean, that combination of Odegaard, Haaland and Jonsson, and, I mean, potentially our long-lost boy from Milan. Um, potentially Hauga partnering them as well. Yeah, definitely a talented side. Um, but Jonsson, you know, he, he dribbles so so interesting. He he's looks like a pixie man. almost, yeah. you know, like he long skips strides. Yeah, long strides. Yeah, and Very he's really fast. Strides. Actually, um Okereke and Ke- Kecharoni, is that how you pronounce it's it? Checaroni. Checaroni, of course. Um, yeah. They both clocked thirty five kilometers this this week. They're wow. both rapid. And Jonsson okay. clocked thirty three. They they were actually like the fastest team this week. So, you know, they have a few problems that they can they can cause. Yeah. Um Henry or Henri. Henri. Um he didn't look sharp and he was kind of selfish. Uh, there yeah. was a moment where he could have played um his colleague through but he decided to yeah, go for he it. Had himself. Day. Yeah. That, that's when he went for the near post and then just yeah. made uh, an entire mess of it. No, I mean th- this is always going to happen when you're you're at a side like Venezia. Um you cl- I mean you a bit of their star player really I would yeah, say he that he's he's up there. Um, so I might get to his head a little bit. I'm Definitely. sure that could be a wake-up call after that loss against. You know, Spence, they yeah. spent six million to get him, uh, including bonuses. Yes, that's a big. Spend... That's a lot of money for Venezia. It's a lot of. Yeah, assets. they beat Celtic and Genoa to his signing. Actually, Whoa. there was competition from those those guys. So, okay. So there definitely is pressure on his shoulders. So he needs to. He needs to do better, definitely. Man, Venezia are a vibe. Did you see what song they play before the game starts? All I need is your love tonight. That's why they run so much, man. That's why they run so much. They'll be pumped as fuck, man. And, I mean, that moves us on to the next game. So this was Mazzari's debut away from home against Lazio for Cagliari. And he got off to a bit of a flyer, man. A decent result considering it what did. Cagliari were doing earlier in, this season. In classic Mazzari fashion, you know, nothing impressive. 3-5-2, you know, inaccurate passes all over the place, yeah. low possession. But yeah. he got the job done. He did get the job done. He took a point away from a Lazio side, which at the beginning of the season, I thought they were unbeatable, man. They looked so sharp. They looked so good. They looked so diverse. Um, But, I mean, they dropped points for three games in a row now. So they dropped points against Milan, obviously, where they lost. They lost again then to Galatasaray. And now they dropped points at home to Cagliari. Yeah, but this makes sense. You know, Saribol needs time. Of course, we've we've already discussed that. But, um, you know, they should be beating Calgary. But they played them at an inopportune time because under a new manager, everyone wants to impress. You know, yeah. things often start off well. Yeah. Um, I'm really impressed by the Keita-Joao partnership up there. I agree, man. I really like them. They they work well together. Yeah, they complement each other. So, so it's like the... The physicality of Keita, mm. the pace, the strength, and then the mind 
of the Pedro. mind of he's, Wow Pedro. He's so clever. That one-two yeah. was gorgeous, man, for that goal. And what about that headed trip over the keeper, man? Yeah, he's honestly beautiful. A, and the assist, an underrated player. And the assist for Balde, amazing, man. So this game basically kicked off in the second half. Uh, Immobile managed to score a fantastic header thanks to a savage assist. Uh, followed by Pedro and Balde scoring to make it 2-1 and then Cataldi just scored an absolute screamer in the 83rd minute to salvage a point for Lazio. It was almost like a fuck this moment, you know. Like, <laughs> exactly. Fuck this, exactly. he just shoots and <laughs> Like Vincent Company back in the day yeah. to win to win City the league. That was an ultimate fuck it. Cranio yeah. um, once again with his heroic seven saves. Yeah, he was brilliant, Cranio, man. He was so, so good in that game. Marin was good too for, for Cagliari, I have to say. Marin is a very good player. Marin, João Pedro and Balde will be the reason that Cagliari, will, yeah. apart from Mazzari, obviously, will, will be the reason. And Nathan. To, yeah, Nathan as well. Um, I'm going to jump back to, to Lazio for a bit. I think, I think that Alberto and Savic are the best midfield duo we're seeing this season. I know that they've dropped, well, Lazio have dropped the ball a little bit now, but they're still a fantastic side. Um, but 65 offensive passes for Alberto and 50 for Savage, which makes me think is Leva enough to cover them when they're going forward. Interesting. I thought that um, Leva has been has been decent for for Lazio. He's done his job well, but he is on the older side now, and yeah. I think they should be thinking about a deputy to him. I believe they have Akpa Akpro, but um, they yeah. could get a, a better player in that position, definitely. Especially, you know, under Sarri, they, they use a regista. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, the use of a regista is fundamental. Yeah. And we've seen that with, like, uh, Sarri you enjoyed using Jorginho quite a bit in his time over there. Now, he does have, I mean, Luis Alberto as a ball-playing midfielder, so maybe he could consider a bit more of a crusher as well, maybe someone a bit similar to Bakayoko, to Kessi, or someone of the sort, maybe a Brozovic. Um, so I think a bit of balls in the midfield wouldn't hurt them. I know that Milinkovic Savic got a pair like no other. Um, <laughs> but just someone that dedicates his time to smashing, basically. Yeah, to, to smashing. To smashing, like a Habib Nurmagomedov. Yeah, that's what of, they should say. He's been playing, person. no? He's been playing a little bit. Um, doesn't look great, to be honest, but I'm, I'm literally not going to talk any smack about that guy. <laughs> so shall we move on to the, the next one? Sure, so another debut for another manager. This time it was Tudor in a 3-2 victory against Mourinho's Roma at home. Yeah. And what a great step in the right direction for Verona, man. I've been waiting for this one. Of course, um, Roma finally get the loss they deserved. They deserved this against yeah, Sassuolo. that's true. And they deserved it again against Verona. But bear in mind that's Mourinho's style. Some people do call him negative, so on and so forth. But the good thing about him, and that's why Roma wanted him, is that the guy can get you a result. Yeah. Not in this case, though. Yeah, and he can get the best out of some players, like, you know, Karsdorp. I've never seen him play so well. He's a completely different player to the one we saw two years ago. So this game, I describe it as the are you not entertained game, man. <laughs> so first, Pellegrini opens the scoring with a delicious taconazzo. That is still, say what you want, my favorite goal of the game. And Karsdorp did brilliantly to whip the ball in there. Um, but Pellegrini is, is a different animal for Roma, particularly under Jose Mourinho, man. Of course, he's always been, you know, pivotal for them, but this season. Yeah, mental, man's wow. contributions, great. Um, I so, I, do you think there, there's a team in Italy right now with a better midfield than them? Than Roma? Yeah. 
uh, maybe Inter on their day. Yeah, maybe Inter on their day. Yeah. Um, as a system, I would say Napoli. Maybe not individually, but as a system, I would definitely yeah. say Napoli. Um, but yeah, I get you totally, man. Roma, Roma's midfield is. I I would like it at my team. I'll, I'll yeah, take it. I'll take it know, any day, man. The likes of Vera too. You have Zaniolo's there as well. Yeah. You know, you have. I'm blanking out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. they could introduce Carlos Perez when when Zaniolo's injured. No, as well, so they've got great depth. The three I'm talking about. So it's so it's Pellegrini, Vera too, and Mkhitaryan. And yes, Mkhitaryan, that's yeah. the, the contribution Brilliant. king. Exactly. Um, so Verona bounced back. Uh, after the second half, basically, thanks to Barak and Caprari. Um, Illich had a really good game, but four minutes after he assisted Caprari, he put the ball into his own net and it was a Poor little guy. bit clumsy. He, he was, was playing having so a great good. game, man. Yeah. He had 14 recoveries, by the way. I don't know what's with these forward players making all these, God, bro. these recoveries. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, what about that 63rd minute goal by Nanadadan Faraoni? That was beautiful. Controls, Controls it with the left, left smacks it, it with his right. Smacks it with the right. Patrice, no chance in hell. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did a bit of research on Tudor and I saw that when it comes to teams I know shit about, he doesn't have much experience. Um, <laughs> but it's a great thing that he joined Verona, another team that enjoys a 3-5-2 formation because Tudor is very experienced with a 3-5-2 formation. Mm. So apparently when he was... He was I, I forgot which team it was he was moving to. But before he did that, it was in 2017, he hung out at the Juve Center. Obviously, the guy's a bit of a Juve legend himself. With Antonio Conte. And Conte basically taught him how to use a 3-5-2 formation in a very offensive and positive manner. Mm-hmm. He did that then with Hajduk Splitz under-17s and he took them to the Croatian Cup under-17 final. Oh, interesting. Wow. Yeah, so he knows how to use the 3-5-2. Yeah. And he's got the players for it with Verona, man. So this this could go well, I guess. Yeah, but this was basically another, um, you know, case of playing the wrong team at the wrong time um, for Roma. Verona looked inspired. Yeah, they did look inspired, man. They looked really good. Um, I think even Simeone looked a bit better than than he has been. He, man. he did look better. He looked a bit sharper. Yeah. I was speaking to Jamie last time. Um, shout out to Jamie, our friend. He supports Ooh. Chelsea. He said that um, Abraham for Chelsea had a very positive start, you know, scoring goals similarly mm-hmm. to, to mm-hmm. his start at Roma. And then he dipped. He dipped. Yeah, uh, you, uh, that was under Frank Lampard. Perhaps. Do you see this? That. Do you see this happening? Again? Um, I, I can't say after this game. Uh, only, only four games in. So, I mean... No, I don't see it happening under Mourinho. Yeah. I, I don't think I see that happening under Mourinho. And if it does, he's got the tools uh, to to bring in Shumorodov. Yeah, so. yeah, that's true. Um, but I don't. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. I think that Abraham will have will continue to be a very good player. He's for got him, Pellegrini yeah. behind him. He's got Zaniolo to his right. He's got Mkhitaryan behind him as well. He, he's in a very good team, and I think. Uh, even if he doesn't score many goals, I think he'll do a lot of Zeko-esque work and Giroud work yeah. where he links up play nicely. He's got that at his arsenal. So I think we might, we, he might not be one of the top scorers in the league for sure. But uh, he'll be a big reason as to why Roma will finish higher up in the table. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. Nice, we agree. The ever-present Cristante, 12 kilometers run. So apart from that, bro, Cristante... 
Cristante, he's he's always been that kind of goal scoring defensive midfielder slash even defender. We've seen him there, yeah. um, but his runs of the ball in these free kick routines, him and Pellegrini have got a great understanding yeah. of each other, man. So they had one last game, and this one, um, Cristante's header, he almost scored it yeah, as well did. in the opening moments of the game. And it's always to the near post, you know, same delivery. Yeah. This time it was elevated before exactly. it was on the ground. Exactly. But Very his runs nice. are perfect of the ball, man, Cristante. He's a dangerous man to have in the box in those, in those free kicks. And obviously, Pellegrini is quite dangerous himself standing over the ball. So, congratulations to Verona for earning their first three points of the season. And they shoot up to 16th. But do you know who's below them? Juventus. As they draw 1-1 against AC Milan. Bro, tell me. Exactly. So Juve were home over here and they, of course, started very well. Um, they, I, I would say that this game was split, of course, into two halves. Juve won the first half, Milan won the second I half. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. So what did you make of the, of the first goal? So it was weird because obviously Milan have the, they have the defenders... Um, who are great in the air, so you'd like to push them up for these for these corner routines, basically. Um, that makes Milan keep uh, Hernandez back a little bit to avoid the counter-attack and Salamakers, so they leave that pace over there. Mm. I feel like Salamakers tried to close his man down. I think it was Dybala far too early. He pressed I think, way too early. I think he misjudged it ever so slightly, but obviously that unleashed Morata, who fucking, like we mentioned last year, the guy is fast and he outran Theo Hernandez. I thought Theo would catch him, but I think he didn't want the, the red card, you know. Yeah, I he mean, wanted to avoid getting it so yeah, You early. saw he was hesitant to pull his shirt. Yeah. He was thinking of, of, of maybe tripping him or something. A mature decision, because if we went a man down, if Milan went... If Milan had gone a man down, that would have been a completely different game. Yeah, 100%, man. But he opened the scoring in the, in the fourth minute. Uh, that'll do good things to his confidence. We know how, how up, and, up and down the guy is. Um, but yeah, so Juve dominated the first half, I would say. It looked, they yeah. looked very dangerous. And I think um, part of the reason for that being the case is the fact that Milan started with a three at the back. Um, Kier's injury, as unlucky as that was for yeah. him, of course, you know, it sucks seeing people getting injured, but that kind of forced Milan to bring on Kalulu, who was playing out wide. We, Milan switched back to the 4-2-3-1, and uh, they looked better. Yeah, they had to grow into the game again, but they did, a, they did a great job of that. They did a similar thing that they were doing against Liverpool. So they really tried to slow down the tempo of the game. They tried to hang on to position. Then you start seeing these cool, quick little transitions. I think taking out Kessie was a good idea, bringing on Benasser just to help that quick transition going on there. And it, it did bits for Milan, that change. It's just crazy to me how, how Tonali went from being the third choice, perhaps even fourth choice, with the arrival of Bakayoko to being the best midfielder mm. Milan have I'd, right I'd, now. I'd start Tonali. I, I yeah, would start. Certainly. I think he's so good going forward. He's so good defensively, man. No, and and he's, he's showing some real character yeah. now on the pitch. He has that confidence about him. And I really liked the partnership between Benasser and Tonali. You know, the, for sure. Con- Constantly winning the ball back, retaining possession, dominant. Mm. You know, in the second half, Juve were suffocating. And as Allegri said, in fact, saved by the whistle, right? Juve were saved, or sorry, Rebic's dog was saved by the the whistle. (laughs) (laughs) Three goals, three goals for Rebic in the last three games against Juve. Wow. And he had that screamer last season, which was was ridiculous. But I enjoyed 
this goal so much because I think the fans were booing him a tremendous amount. He was butting heads with Chiellini and Bonucci loads. I think he told yeah. the fans, basically he shushed the fans and Bonucci said, oh, this is an opportunity to get the fans back on my side after what I did to yeah. Juve. <laughs> so he obviously jumped in. He was a bit of a, a, bit of a dick. Um, I would have loved to see Rebic shush. After he scored that goal, yeah, but instead bit. he did the the calm down, you know, yeah. the calma calma. That was good, man. I but think when when Giroud and Ibra are missing, apart from well, we talk a lot about Milan lacking a number nine when those two are out, mm-hmm. but I think Rebic makes up for it when it comes to his charisma and his leadership qualities. Yes, I think he carried the team in the. He's in the so final resilient. Third. Yes, he he doesn't stop running. He doesn't stop working. And even if things aren't going his way, like he was. He was shitting the bed before the goal. Yeah, you know, I, I was getting frustrated for him. Nothing, nothing. Said, he was doing exactly. We both said, "Don't take him out." Though. Yeah, there's no Do way we take him out. out. He's a psychopath. So we spoke a bit about Kalulu. Tell me what you thought of his performance. I thought Kalulu was thrown into the fray mm. prematurely, unexpectedly. Probably didn't think he would get any minutes. You know, there's Florenzi there as well. Like I was surprised to see him, but I think he handled it maturely. He charged up and down the wing. He dominated that side completely. He even. Had a goal scoring chance Yeah man I thought so he unlucky. skied it I thought he skied it I was like damn That's quite a miss Like mm. then I realised That Chesney can actually save, You know pull off saves Fucking <sighs> Annoying Yeah Definitely uh, Manyan racially abused Fuck me bro This is becoming so annoying In the Italian game It's it's frustrating It's, it's gonna come to a point Where we're gonna see Black people Just not play in Italy anymore because it's ridiculous, bro. Bakayoko's first game was racially abused by the Lazio fans who are notorious for this shit. Mm-hmm. And I mean, then Juve fans. I mean, come on, you've got the richest history yeah. in all of Italy and some of the richest history in Europe. Yeah. Come on, man. Come on. What could be done about this? So, first of all, I don't think this is a club problem, but this is a, a an Italy problem. This is a mentality problem, of course. Um... I think that harsher punishments need to be, need to start being taken. You know, um, I saw today that um, in the Premier League apparently they have the facilities to identify individuals, and they instantly ban them for life. I think that's a Good. great approach. I would even go to the other extreme in saying that a zero tolerance should be taken, a zero tolerance approach, and you know, banning the entire. Fan sector yeah, for the next I mean, game, you know that would at least get people to to not encourage it. You know, if you hear someone, exactly. let's say you're you're a guy who attends a Juve game, for example, week in week out, mm. and the guy next to you is making monkey chants, you know, you're gonna tell him off. You're gonna be like, Spit hey, stop it. Yeah, at least you, you might encourage people to to take action yeah, like that because people only care when they're when they're personally affected. Exactly. But the, the, the problem I see with that, like as much as in an ideal world that would be the case, fucking clubs want their money. And we saw how much they were affected, for example, with COVID yeah. uh, from not making ticket sales. So they, they simply won't do that because they don't think it's a priority, man. So it's an entire cultural issue. You know, they could take the knee all they want before games, man. This, 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 this whole shit is pointless, although I agree with the movement. Um, but some, things, some some harsher things need to be done about, even if they implement some kind of technology like they did in the UK, where they could identify people making those noises. It's it's genuinely getting too much now. It is, it is. And it sucks the, the joy out of the game, you yeah. know. The, the game hadn't even started, man. He, he was, was warming, warming up, up yeah. with Dida. Give me a break, man. 
Yeah, and this guy, you know, it's not like I mean, you've ever got McKenny, Sandro. You know yeah. what are you doing? What, what kind of fucking impression are you giving your how, own players? How how would that make you feel? Let's say you were Alexandro, mm. for for example, and you hear your fans making monkey chants to an opposing black player. I mean, how would that make you feel about the club you play? I'm one hundred percent sure that if Sandro had been next to him or any other player, you know. Mm-hmm. They, I think they would have, they would have told them off. Yeah, for sure. You know, for sure. this isn't a, a, a like Jake said. It's not a, it's not a, it, it's solely a fan based problem. It's an Italy problem. It has nothing yeah. to do with the club. Um, I tend to think that sometimes with Lazio it has something to do with the club. But yeah. but moving moving away from that very swiftly, um, <laughs> something needs to be done, and it has to be done now. Yeah, definitely. So now we have the last game. It was a Monday night game. Udinese at home to Napoli. The score, 4-0 to Nipples. What do you think? <laughs> I think that Napoli, apart from the fact that, that Spalletti encourages positive football from them, I think they've got their shit together now, man. I think they've got quality in every side of the pitch. I think in every position they've got someone that they can rely on, even if it's through the introduction of Elmas in midfield. Or anything of the sort. I think they're. I think they're a stable, stable football club. So, yeah. I think their toughest fixture at the a fixture at the moment would be Milan, Inter. I think those three teams are all kind of there. They're all mm. in the mix. Um, but yeah, Napoli are one of the better sides in Italy at the moment. They have two great players in each position. Exactly. That, that's what's good about them. You know, they're extremely dangerous. They have a coach who's notorious for winning, just getting the job done, even though they did it in emphatic fashion today. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Udinese started off well, to be honest. For the first 20 minutes, they looked lively, they looked good, but then Napoli just, you know, dominated yeah. them. They flooded them. There was, there was too much for them. So, I mean, Oziman, Rahmani, who I mean, like Jake said, two good, two good players in each position. Rahmani replacing Manolas, he did a, he did a brilliant job. Kolebali scoring again, always great to see. Koli ballistic missile, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> Jake has Kolebali on, on Fanta Calcio. Kolebali scored against me and, and he beat me in the last yeah, moment. And he assisted so, too. Whatever. He assisted as well. Turns what out a player. Dennis fucking Bergamp. I'm a big fan of this Anguissa guy they got in midfield. He's a Bro, good he's player. Good, Similar man. traits to Bakayoko. You know, he's physical, yeah. he can dribble, he's got a, a nice technique. Yeah, he almost scored as well, that header, and it looked like he really wanted it, the yeah, poor, poor guy. Man. So th- hopefully that'll come it'll soon. It'll come, it'll come. But anyway, guys, we've finally come out with the new segment whereby we're prompting you guys to ask us a couple of questions and giving us the opportunity to blab on a little bit about our opinions on certain takes. So we've got a grand total. How many questions do we get this We time? have a grand total of three massive questions. Ooh, that's good. That's good. So do you want to read out the first one and we could have our say? Sure. I think we should start off with the first one here from Luke Grima. He WhatsApped it to me personally, of course. Thank you very much, Luke Grima. Do you think that Juve will still make top four? No. No? (laughs) I don't think so, no. I think they will. How, How? They need to take a lot of steps before they start improving so drastically. And how do you see them getting to that level? So the way I see it right now, they are eight points away from top four because of this terrible start. Correct. We've literally seen this before. Yeah, no, you know, have. With Allegri. Um, I think he'll get them ticking. I think they'll be winning 1-0, 2-0, 2-1 no time. Okay. Do you, do you actually think that they're going to start getting those results? Because, I mean, when I look at the top six at the moment in Italy... 
I don't see Juve even competing with them at the moment. I obviously they had a decent performance against Milan where they managed to take a point away. But to be honest, for the time being, I think that's as good as it gets. And I think it might take such a significant amount of time for them to get used to this new system, to get used to yeah. the loss of Ronaldo, uh, to get used to the, to, to the style Locatelli brings to the team and, and all these newcomers. So I think it will take them some time. And I think they'll be fighting for a finish in top four. But I, I'm not too sure they'll get it with the competition there is up there. I think it will be financially devastating for them as well if they don't get it. But I think they have the facilities to get it, you know, once once Chiesa and Dybala start picking up, you know, Allegri starts, you know, playing his, his negative football. <laughs> Look, it's, it's definitely, to me, top three. There's going to be Napoli, Inter, Milan in no particular order. Mm-hmm. And then that fourth spot is, That's the one up, is, for grabs, is definitely. up for grabs. So it's anywhere between... Lazio, Roma, Juve, Fiorentina, Atalanta, Atalanta, Jesus Christ. What a league, what a league. What a league. So, no, I don't think Juve will make top four this year. Yeah, okay, interesting. We'll have to wait and see. We'll go back to this at the end of the season. We'll get get roasted for it. Thank you, Lou Grima. Follow at Lou Grima Official on Instagram. It's his personal, so that's, that's good. Okay, so the next question we had was from Jamie Dent. Who are your biggest dark horses for the season? I'll drop a hot take to while I'm here. Okay, so first I think we should answer the first part. Who are your biggest dark horses for the season? So mine are Fiorentina. I think uh, we could see them playing in the Europa League next year. I think under Vincenzo Italiano, they have such a positive way of playing football. They play the ball around nicely. They're very direct. As I mentioned earlier, they have a good balance between experience, power, talent, raw talent. So I think we'll see them getting some big points this season, man. And I think they'll be pushing pretty high up and, and they're going to surprise some people. Yeah, I think Fiorentina are definitely a shout for this, but I'd have to go with Napoli only because I think that they can actually win the league. Yeah, you're set. So Napoli are first right now. They're, they're the only yeah. team in Italy to get 12 points in four matches, putting them first ahead of Inter by two points. You think that that's there to stay? Let me tell you, I, I didn't come up with this now. I came okay. up with this before the season started. Um, when when I saw that Spalletti was taking over there, you know, I saw Oziman a bit. I, we saw a bit of him last year. He looks yeah. so promising, you know, and Spalletti really likes to get his, his strikers going. There's Insignia there who's dying to win some silver. Right? That's true. With um, Napoli, I think they have, as we mentioned before, um, two good players in each position. I think this is their time. Um, I think they can do it. I think they might yeah. win the league. I think I think Napoli at the moment they they do have the edge over most teams, man. I think they've got a lot of quality, like we mentioned earlier. Uh, I'm gonna stick to to my say, Fiorentina. What to as in as a dark horse, not well, to win the league, of course. The bloody yeah. league, you know. If, if Where do you see do. them finishing, Fiorentina? Fiorentina. Yeah. So let's say you finish it. Nah, I see. I see Fiorentina seventh, sixth, but I okay. think that's a very positive finish for them. Seven, Particularly six, after well, last season, dude. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. So maybe an Europa League spot or a Conference League spot yeah. would be would be good for them. Okay. Shall we move on to the second part of Jamie's question? He says, um, I'll drop a hot take too while I'm here. Chesney is absolute garbage and doesn't deserve to be anywhere near a top four club. Not that Juventus is a top four club anymore, but you get me. Love the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Jamie. I would agree with you, brother. I think Chesney obviously does have what it takes to be a goalkeeper. 
playing in, in, a, in a top flight league. God forbid he didn't have that. He still has decent reflexes. But I, I think the man tends to zone out during games quite significantly, man. He's very emotionally unstable. Could you could you say Perhaps that? Maybe Streaky would be a more yeah. appropriate term, maybe. Um, I, I think that after he left Arsenal and he joined Juve, he... Um, he improved. We saw, loads, loads. yeah, we saw the keeper that he could potentially become. He became a very good keeper, and mm-hmm. and I feel like he didn't get enough respect from especially Arsenal fans or people who watched him with yeah. Arsenal. He was a very different keeper, but now suddenly his form has dipped, and it's been even last year. You know, he wasn't as good as he was the previous year. Um, I don't know what's going on with him, but. It's a problem that certainly needs to be addressed, even though he had that good save on Kalulu. Yeah, he's, he's a decent shot stopper, yeah. but he needs a goalkeeper. He needs to have the ability to command his box. He needs to be able to come out and make make brave collections. Yeah. He needs to have good handling. He needs to have good distribution. I think as a package. I definitely don't see Chesney as a, as a top four goalkeeper in either league. And we could see as well in the Milan game, it's like the players don't even trust him anymore. He was telling Rabiot to cover to cover. That was Rebic. crazy. He, he's telling him, go there. And Rabiot's just like, nah. And then, and then <laughs> the ball is played exactly where Chesney was, go- was telling him to go. And, they, and Rebic scores, of course. So, so, you know, I think they do need a goaler who they can take a little bit more, more seriously as well. A hundred percent. It's, it's interesting to see where they'd look because obviously they had Buffon for so long and, and yeah. they haven't really been in the market for goalkeepers so, so heavily. So it's interesting to see who they'll end up with. The talented Perrin is on the bench. Bro, sometimes I remember that they were so close to getting Donnarumma. And they must be kicking themselves at that I don't one. think they have the facilities for that big man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking glad he didn't go there. I'm very glad. I don't care where he goes. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Question three. Yes, our final question from Dom Caputo. Of course, Luke Mentoff, who will be traveling with next week. Can't wait. I mean... Yeah. What do you think has to be done in regards to the system or infrastructure of Italian football so that newly promoted clubs in Serie A can have a greater chance of competing? Last few seasons, the difference in quality is becoming more and more evident. I looked this up because Mintoff is full of shit, so now I'm joking. (laughs) He does his shit a lot. Um, but it's a it's a it's really a great good question. it's a it's a very good point, man. It's a very good point. Um, I did try to do some research, but I didn't manage to get uh, enough resources online. Um, so if you get promoted, for example, from Champions League to the to the Premier League from in, the championship, in the, from sorry from the Championship yeah. to the Premier League in the UK, there's some serious prize money on the line. It's ridiculous. It's it's a mental amount, so that helps teams. It's the most you can make in football. I mean. Yeah. So yeah. this doesn't only help teams stack up with new players because that's not really the way forward, but it gives them the opportunity to maybe employ better staff members, upgrade some yeah, facilities. facilities. And and I mean, it gets a little project going on. So I think that might be missing in in this area. I mean, I, I really don't like how when a te- once a team gets relegated, they tend to pass over their players to the next promoted team. Yeah. I think, like, you know what you're investing in. You're not investing in someone that's going to take it's you a step It's always the up. same. The best players on the team that failed. Exactly. Like, for example, Simi. All right, yeah. Simi is an exception because he's actually a, a great player. Yeah. But, but you get what I mean. That turnover, it's yeah. almost like, here, try again, dude. Yeah, literally. Have another go, but I think that um, we're seeing a lot of American investment in the Italian league, and I oh, think that's what it's going to take um, foreign investment definitely in these clubs. And someone you know who's passionate about it, as we've seen in Fiorentina, for example, with Rocco Comisso, he's a mm-hmm. very passionate man, he's always at the games, you know, he's mm-hmm. he actually cares. Uh, I think there are a few clubs that um, that don't show enough 
passion, um, you know, for, yeah. for, or, or they don't show enough of a project. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that the facilities and infrastructure need to be improved. The whole stadium situation is appalling. The fact that clubs don't own their own their own um, stadiums. If if Juve, okay, Juve have their own stadium, but if, for example, Milan and Inter get their own stadium, for example, that improves the whole league, oh, not sure. not just Milan and Inter. And I think that will, of course, help the league grow and improve. So the pressure is on these top teams to to improve the league. Mm-hmm. I agree. You mentioned something about an 18-team league. Many people talk about this. Um, they say that there aren't there aren't 20 quality teams in Serie A, and that 18 would be sufficient, and it would prove it would result in a more competitive league. Uh, but aren't aren't we moving into Super League territory when we start having that debate? Are we not are necessarily? We just because the opportunity is still teams? there. You just need to take the project more seriously. You can't be a Serie A dweller like Genoa, for example. You have to actually show. You know, ambition to to survive. Uh, I I I get. I think the system's good. I mean, not the system's good. There's clearly a problem within the system. But at, at I believe a twenty man league is is sufficient. I like that three teams go down, three teams come up. But something needs to be done when it comes to the three teams coming up. And I, one thing I don't like as well, man, is once teams get relegated, they fucking lose everything, bro. Yeah, it, like it's a shame. For example, Kiev liquidating. That was oh, that that broke my heart, yeah. man. That broke my. They they lose everything, and that then it's another happen. three four seasons until they're promoted again, and then they're up and they're down and they're up and they're down. This is something Serie I need to have a serious look at and 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 just try to. I mean, who had lost? Spal came up and went down. Yeah. Empoli came Benevento up and went go, down. Benevento. It's it's no, it's not. It's not. It's great. not sustainable. Definitely. But great question, Mintoff. We will talk about this over a nice Aperol Spritz in Modena. Yeah, we'd also like to hear your opinion, Mint. Why not? Let us know on our our Twitter. A great question. Yeah. So thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Well, gentlemen, to be honest, 0% (laughs) of our listeners are women. If you are female, thank you. Thank you so much. Make sure to follow us on Seria Spotlight on Twitter. Okay, at Seria Spotlight. Uh, make sure that you, you know, ask us your questions, listen to the next episodes, and find us on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, anywhere where you can get podcasts. We're everywhere, podcasts. dudes. Yeah. We're we're everywhere, genuinely. Um, but aside from just sending us questions and, and, and all this fun shit, <laughs> make sure to send us your feedback as well. I mean, we're... I thought you were going to say, make sure you send us your feed pics. As well, as well. I mean, we, we accept everything over here. Uh, <laughs> but no, seriously, guys, if you've got any feedback on how we could make this more entertaining and engaging for you guys, maybe some cool segments or some hot mm-hmm. topics that we could bring up, that would be great. But we really hope you're enjoying this as much as we are. I think I look forward to it every week. I don't know about yeah, you. it's always fun. Now we'll be recording again this week, actually. This ah, is, it's this a is the midweek. One. Yeah, it's a busy one. Ah, problem. I so much football on the TV. God damn it. It's exhausting. Yeah. But anyway, guys, thank you very, very much. We're Jake and Matt. Peace out.